Welcome to the Average Joe Theology Show. My name is Levi Sanders. My name is Hunter Harrison. And my name is Chase Schaefer. What's up, everybody? Um, <laughs> That's we such are... a dude. Like, you're so... Hey, this is my name. Hey. Yeah, hey. I'm hungry, man. I'm hungry. Hey, and it's also 9.09 p.m. Oh, man. No, I've had a great day, actually. Yeah, so I'm like too. super... I've had a good day. I'm just kind of hitting a wall. No, it's hard, bro. I, for the past two days, I had. And it was like... Yeah, I'd hit about 10 o'clock, and I'm six like, o'clock dude, this morning. I'm done. And then, no, not... Not today, dude. I don't know what it was. That coffee kicked in. I'm still going. So. Dude, I've been I've been jazzed today. I've been, last couple of weeks, dude. I have eaten like zero junk food. I've been in the gym. I've been that's what I've been in yeah, the word, dude. Thing, I've been I've been eating now. junk yeah. food. That's probably my problem. Water, yeah, all I water. I ate a lot it's of junk. Literally food. earlier, I watched you ate a whole play of tater tot. <laughs> I don't like Nothing corn dogs. Else, just tater tot. I don't like corn dogs. So you so ate tater tots. I just tots? ate tater tots. So that's all I had. There's nothing else. No. There was corn dogs. It was a church dinner. That's what I said. I don't like corn dogs. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so so, uh, we're continuing our study of Genesis, (laughs) and today we are in 14 and 15. So as normal, um, we're going to pause for just a second and let you read the chapter, okay? So get your Bibles out, put them on your lap, open them to whatever page is Genesis 14, okay? You got to read the words. You don't got to flip that far, okay? And then read it. You ready? We're going to give you a couple seconds. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. Okay, what what do you think about the little character in there in the middle? That was really short, but he's so important. Oh, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. We'll talk about it. Okay, <laughs> so, so starting out in 14, what you got, boys? I mean, I got like a whole s- synopsis. No, here. I'm talking about the first part. What what happens in the first part? Don't get to the spicy character. Yeah, you got well. You got the war. So yeah, you got the war. Okay, and I can explain. I like okay. So this the way is, you guys are talking about this, I feel like we read two totally different chapters. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? No, no, no. It's super cool because this is the Let's first you, time that we have seen an account of the first war by men in the in the Bible so far. We've not seen an actual thought out war. A a fighting of men v men. It's pretty cool. That's true. That doesn't necessarily mean that one didn't happen, but this is the first time it's recorded. Y- yeah, sure. no, it's the first one recorded yeah, in the Bible. Happened, and so, like, I could do a quick, like, brief summary of 14 through 1 through, what, like 13 or something like that. So uh, we see four kings. Um, among the four kings was a guy named, uh, and this is a crazy name, it's like, Shed or uh, shed or low mare. <laughs> like, how do you even say it? A hey, mouthful. And, uh, we're gonna go ahead and just tell you that we're gonna butcher some names. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call him Shedelamir because that sounds cool. That, that sounds good. To the me. king Chandelier. was so there was like also this is the problem. There were five kings who were like super, super angry by his reign. So I think it was like 12 years or something like that that they were under him, and then um, so they were like, hey, we're gonna split. They have a little. Mm-hmm. They have a little rogue thing they go off on their own uh the five kings were angry and tired of shetelamir and decided to separate from him after serving him for 12 years mm-hmm. then shetelamir basically got ready got provisions and then like a next year he's like all right we're gonna have war we're gonna fight i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna bring you guys back i'm gonna take your spoils which and i thought was interesting because it's spoils. five kings against four kings mm-hmm. but obviously 
the four kings are way more powerful than the five kings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this guy, like, he seems like he's he knows what he's doing. I mean, but here's the thing, too. It's really interesting, which I thought was really cool. Later on, uh, Abraham, so the five, the four kings go. Shalomir takes his three other guys. Mm. And uh, you see the problem is that Shalomir took the spoils of the five kings. And whenever he did that, he basically won the war. They fought it out. Uh, Shalomir and his guys won. They took all the spoils. So... My thinking is they're like, oh, I took all the stuff from the kings. No, they also took their people. They took their yeah. their land. They took everything. And so, but they, they weren't defeated. And, uh, and also, like the four kings, they weren't defeated, like killed. Like they were just defeated and they fled and ran away. Yes, yes. It's like the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah just like fled up in the mountains or whatever. They mm-hmm. just left. And so, you have uh, Shalomir. He actually, what it's funny. He took Lot and all of his people, all of his stuff, and went away. And so Abram learns of this. And being the awesome uncle he is, going after his nephew, he tries to rescue him. He learns of this and goes after Lot. And this is not to gain wealth or gain a reward, but truly out of respect and an honorable reason, which was to save his nephew's life. And he takes 318 trained Mm -hmm. men. And, And this is super cool. This is awesome because in verse 14, he took those guys. And it sounds doesn't sound like a lot, but, uh, I mean, nine kings just fought. And right. so, uh, and 318 just doesn't sound like much, but Abraham didn't meet, need many, really. I mean, God was on his side, so he's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to go get Lot. So right. um, Abraham defeats the king, and he uh, he finds Shalomir. He gets Lot. And the crazy thing about this is I was reading it. I just kind of bypassed him. like, oh, look at that. He got him. He's all good. You know, he got Lot. Yeah. But this was for 150 miles this went on. Actually, yeah. 150 miles. So that he pursued them. That he pursued them. And so, if you think about it, this that's isn't something that's yeah. This is a lot of miles, man. Like this is like 318 people. Yeah, for 318. That's so a lot. Obviously, uh, Abram's doing walking. something right because he takes 318 people. He's got God on his side, I guess. That's what he's doing right. <laughs> and, then, and so, uh, but just think about the time that we read from sentence to sentence of this. We're like, Oh, he follows this guy. He gets lot. They go back and they talk to the Kings and where we're going to go to. But this is, I don't know how long it could be months, right? Yeah. Maybe a year that he's going to be separated from his family. He's going to be gone as he's picking off people from shuttle, Shadow, shuttle army and gaining more people that he's fighting. Yeah. They build a larger and larger army as they chase, uh, shuttle And yeah. so, um, for 150 miles. So think about it. this is a long time. This is a very, uh, like very righteous, very honorable thing that he's doing. He's not just like, all right, I got Lot, let's leave. He gets everything. Yeah, he. That's what I was gonna say. He doesn't just get Lot in his possessions. He gets all he gets the possessions all of Sodom, all yeah. the people and Gomorrah, all all the people, all their possessions, all that stuff, and brings it back. Mm-hmm. And not only does he keep it, I mean that Shedelmir, whatever his name is, yeah. was gonna keep all the spools for himself. Yeah. But Abram brings it back and gives it back to the king of Sodom. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's five kings little, worth of stuff. A little yeah. Robin Hood <laughs> action going on. Yeah, a little Robin Hood stuff. And and that's what we see um, there at the end of... of um, 16, I think. 16 is where that little chunk of story ends, yeah. 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 So we see he brings the goods back, and uh, he brought back Lot and his possessions and mm-hmm. the women and the people... Um, and then we see that he returns, and, and then the king of Sodom comes out and meets him. Um, and then there's this other character, which his name is Melchizedek. 
Right, it says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. Now, here's the cool thing. Is like, face, Chase. Mel- I've always heard it Melchizedek. Oh, uh, whatever. That, you you, you put both. cheese I've in heard, there. So I've know. heard both. Melchizedek. Yeah, I've oh. heard both too. So Mel- we'll call him Melchizedek. I, I like that name. That just sounds Mel. cool. We could just call him Mel. Okay, so. No. Put some respect on his name, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the cool thing. It's like Melchizedek only has three actual verses basically where they actually like tell us about him yeah in the old testament like the actual person right now he's elaborated on more in the new testament Mm -hmm. um but but it's cool because like we we read about this little this this not this little i mean this this king priest who comes and blesses abram right and that's Mm -hmm. i mean we'll just read the whole section then we'll talk about it sure so basically it says after his return from the defeat of um kettle or how do you say it? Shedelamir. Shedelamir. Okay. And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to, to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is the, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, he was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of everything. So that is Abram giving Melchizedek a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong of anything that is yours um, for fear that you would say I have made Abram rich. So really, I mean, there's only like three verses in there that talk about yeah. mm-hmm. his exchange with Melchizedek. Yeah. Right, so so what do we know about Melchizedek? Well, here in this passage, we learn two things mainly: that he is a king and he is a priest. Right, right. Mm-hmm. we see him bring out bread and wine, which I thought was, was very interesting symbolism. Yes. Um, and then he blesses Abram. So then we're also told other things about Melchizedek. He hmm. he honors God Most High, the one true God, the same God that Abram is obeying as he leaves out from from where he was at to start with. Um, and he also refers to God not only as creator, but as redeemer, deliverer, right? He says, mm-hmm. God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He has delivered you, right? So he also, he, he refers to God as as um, redeemer and as creator. Um, so he knows God, and he is a king <laughs> priest. Now, um, this is, Melchizedek's a character that you can read about in the New Testament, Mostly in um, um, Hebrews, mm-hmm. elaborates on it a lot, and I think Chase is gonna. Chase has got some of that, don't you? On Hebrews, uh, Hebrews. Yes, yes. It's but a basically, lot. Basically, basically, Melchizedek was an important character. Um, so we see him in the Old Testament, right? He he comes, he blesses Abram, he does all this stuff. But really, in the New Testament, he's referred to, or really, the rest of Scripture. Um, the only time he is mentioned is in relation to Christ. To say that that hmm. that Christ is a priest in the line of Melchizedek, mm-hmm. and so uh, so Chase, Hebrews. you take that and run with it. I know you had done a lot of studying on Ooh. on that topic as well. Okay, well, I almost just kind of want to read it, but uh, so I'm gonna in start. Hebrews, I'm that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because I mean, it's it, it talks about him a ton. So uh, I'm gonna just start seven one. Uh, the priestly order of Melchizedek is what my 
Um, yep. My Bible says, mm-hmm. for this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, which did we talk about what Melchizedek means? And mm-hmm. uh, We didn't. In Salem, we didn't. Okay, so Melchizedek actually, whenever I was looking this up, means uh, king of righteousness. So King Melchizedek is king of righteousness, and then Salem is peace. So yep. he's also king of righteousness of peace. So um, be thinking about that as, as I read it. But um, for this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham appoint, uh, apportioned a tenth of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem. That is the king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was, to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those uh, descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though they're also descended from Abraham. Um, But this man who has who does not have his descent from them receiving tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom is testified that he lives. So then I'm going to go down to verse 11. Now, if perfection has been attainable through the Levitical priesthood for under it, the people who receive the law, what further need would those who have been for another priest to rise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? And then um, for when there is change in the priesthood, there's necessarily a change in the law as well. Then go to 15. Um, this becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirements concerning bodily descent, but by the power of indestructible life for his witness of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And then, um, and that's talking about Christ, right? It we, is, see, yeah, we see Christ in verse 22. Yeah. It, ta- it says yeah. that it says, uh, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds this priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Right. And so, even if you go back to the end of six, it says this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so the, the thing with this passage that has always been interesting um, is in verse three, he uh, whenever it's talking about Melchizedek, uh, the king of Samlet explains who he is. And then in verse three, he is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor the end of life, but resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. And then in the same thing in mm. verse 22, this makes, uh, whenever it talks about all the priesthood and everything going on, and then it speaks of Jesus being a high priest. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. So there's almost always a, there, there's a connection there is what people For bring sure. where you see Melchizedek who is talked about as being um, 
continuing forever. He didn't have a mother or father. He had no genealogy. And then you also now in verse 22 have Jesus where it says he also, you know, as we know is the, the high priest and he, um, who is perfect. And then he lives forever and that he, unlike other priests who died, he is in the priesthood permanently. Yeah. So there's always a connection there that people bring up that was Melchizedek Jesus. Yeah. And a lot of people think so. Some people think so. Yeah. They, uh, some people say type and shadow. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where I tend to, to, to stand, mm-hmm. um, is type and shadow, but after reading Hebrews, it, it certainly what could, does that it could mean? be, huh? What does that mean? What, what type and shadow type and shadow means like, like David, um, that you ty- not- David is a type and shadow of Jesus where we're the Israelites and David is the type and shadow of Jesus because he comes and saves us even though we, uh, because we could not do it ourselves. So it's not mm-hmm. like he's saying that David is Jesus, but David is a type or a shadow of Jesus. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so I heard that verbiage so, before. Yeah. It, it, you get into like like David was the type, then Jesus was the anti-type. Mm-hmm. He was the actual real thing, right? right. Or or like, like here, Mel- Melchizedek was the shadow of the true <clears throat> Jesus mm-hmm. who actually mm-hmm. is eternal with no heritage and... Yeah. is a priest forever and a king. That's the cool thing is like pretty much all other priests throughout scripture from the Levitical priesthood mm-hmm. are priests, right? You have two different offices of priest and king, right? All throughout Israel's Jesus. history. Mm-hmm. However, Jesus is both. Right. He is the ultimate high priest, but he is also king of all things, mm-hmm. right? And and both of those tie in together once again with Melchizedek in Psalm 110. And I'll read that here. It says, um, yeah, the, the Lord one. gives dominion to the king. So basically, this is God. Once again, this is Psalm of David, but he's writing it about Christ um, in the future. And and we see here God giving Jesus all authority as the king, right? Mm-hmm. So it says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. In holy array from the womb of your dawn of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of His wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So here, I mean, it even talks about he will judge the nations. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. So mm-hmm. that would be the end. That would be that would be somebody who rules forever, right? So this is talking about Jesus as the yeah. established king. But also, he says, you're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So just like Melchizedek, Christ is a priest and king. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why people say with uh, what we read in Genesis that either Melchizedek, whenever it's actually talked about him, is actually Jesus. So not a type and shadow. They say he actually is Jesus. Hmm. And then others also say that he's in type and shadow. Um, we I don't know. I'm not going to make that judgment that he is or yeah. isn't. But I, I, would, I tend to fall on top of shadow, but I could be absolutely completely wrong. Mm-hmm. After, after reading Hebrews and comparing uh, verses 1 through 5 to verse 22, it seems that possibly you can make a really strong argument that he is oh, yeah, actually Jesus. But um, hmm. but again, I mean, 
I don't know for sure. And I'm not going to say you can or can't, but that's the mm, right. It's the really cool to think about. Me is like everywhere else in, in the Old Testament where, where Jesus appears or, or, you know, the pre-incarnate Christ is walking. It talks about the Lord or God or, but here it uses a different name. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. It could be, yeah. it could be Jesus. Either way. It's certainly referring to him as it's mm-hmm. talking about yes. a king priest yes. forever, right? And and even I mean you can't at you least can't type in shadow for sure. You can't miss the um, the the wonderful imagery mm-hmm. of of the Lord's table and the Lord's supper as he as as Melchizedek brings and sets the table with bread and wine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? That right. that he comes and he blesses Abram, who we know it, Abram's blessing, which we'll get into in fifteen, really re- ties all the way to Christ. Yes. Right. So with that, let's transition to 15. What you got on 15? Hunter, you got anything? Mm. I mean, you see... Not anything that jumps off the page right this moment. Let me skim it. Hang on. That's fine. Well, you go ahead. Go ahead and say what you had to say. Okay, I was just going to talk about, like, verses 1 through 7. I mean, there was the, the vision... Uh, where God comes to Abram in a vision. Mm, yep. mm-hmm. And it's a very interesting thing that we see there. Um, we see God come to Abraham in a vision. God tells Abraham about what is going to come to pass, and it sounds like a lot. Um, Abraham is getting older. It does sound like a lot. He's seen a lot, and he has a lot, but God has not given him a child. And so Abram, I think I think in the story, he asks him like twice about his error. He brings it up twice. And he's like, I don't have... A child. I, I I'll have to give it to somebody who's not technically my child, but it's just an right. heir in the household. Um, and so he brings us up, and and that's a struggle of Abraham. I don't I don't. If you have a struggle, I I would say bring it to the Lord. Um, yeah. pray about it. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with Abraham or Abram bringing it to God, saying, Hey, this is what I don't have this, and and asking God for that. Yeah, he, and so he, it's it's almost like Abram is struggling to rest in the promises God had made him, mm-hmm. um, which I mean we talked about earlier today mm-hmm. in our other discussion about um, how we're so tempted as humans to not rest in God's promises which He gave us mm-hmm. in Scripture. Yeah. Right? Abram's doing the same thing. Yeah. He's struggling to rest in that because he's like, I don't see it coming about. Yeah, I don't. Right. I, I don't see it. I don't see how it's possible. Yeah, and 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 here's the really cool thing that I I just I love because it's so simple. Um, God makes him a, a promise, a huge promise, and he says, and he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven and number the stars. And if you were able to number them, then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Shall so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Yep. No, 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 no form of. I don't. Are you sure? Or really? That's right. crazy. It's he. He believed. He believed. He and believed. I, and, and I mean, that's where we see salvation by grace through faith. Right. Yeah. That that Abram didn't do any kind of like special he work. He didn't pray a special he prayer. He didn't have to make some or, kind of sacrifice no. or anything. He believed and Period. what? It was counted to him as righteous. Period. What did he believe in? The promises of God. Right. Which ultimately was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So now we we Abraham was looking at to into the future, right? I mean, even Hebrews talks about him him seeing Christ in the end, right? Mm-hmm. But um He's looking for we we have the opportunity to look retrospectively 
to see right. Christ's work accomplished. But still, yet when we believe, we are believing in the promises of God and what right. He said He was going to do and We're what He said He did do through Jesus Christ. That and Abram and when we truly believe, it's counted to us as righteousness. Right. Yeah. And so the cool thing is, like Abram. When he believed in it and he was counted righteous, mm -hmm. he was painted with the righteousness of Christ, which had not yet been yeah. been shed. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean that's yeah. the only way we can right. we can be saved. So I, I just think it's cool. But yeah, yeah, that's a key that's a key part yeah. of that passage is that Abram believes and it was counted to him as righteous. One thing I think is cool too is like you see Abram believe here, right? But then also, you get into like James talks about faith without works is dead. And we see Abram mm. throughout the rest of, of Genesis um, reveal to us that his faith was genuine. Right. When mm -hmm. he takes his, his son all the way up to the mountain and he's about to slay him. I mean, he right. does that because his faith is genuine. Right. Right. So so this is where his faith actually actually is is explicitly yeah. told to us that he believed in his count to him as righteousness. Oh, yeah. And then um, we can go. You got anything else up until 12? Mm -hmm. uh, not really. No. Okay, and then, um, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham, and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So, um, basically, right about now, if you keep on reading, it brings up what we're going to see maybe towards the end of, end of Genesis and beginning of Exodus, where, where God is telling Abram about what's going to be coming to pass with mm -hmm. from his descendants what's going to happen well um, really I think I think that talks all the way up to Joshua yes but I mean it it does whenever it says they're sojourners mm. in the land but I was talking about the 400 years that right. they'd be afflicted yeah. you know that's that's a thing that goes on and then um yeah it yeah it says you'll be buried with old age and then yeah it keeps on going never mind yeah you're right so it goes on to Joshua but um it does give us the future of kind of what's going to be coming to pass. And I don't know if that gives a sense of peace to Abram seeing like what's going to happen to his descendants being, being able to be told like, Hey, not only am I going to give you these descendants, but here in the next five, 600 to thousand years, this is what's going to happen yeah. over this time. And like being able to know where, your children are going to be taken and like what's going to happen in the future. I think it's kind of cool for sure. I, I think it says a lot about Abram too, that we see his faith is legitimate because, yeah. because God, he believes God, God counts it to him as righteous. Mm -hmm. God even tells him like, listen, I promised you this land. I promise you descendants as abundant as the stars, but you will not see that come to pass. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. God tells him like, I promise you these things, but you will not see them come to pass. Mm hmm. Yet Abraham still Abram still obeys. Yeah, right. Abram is still obedient still believes. and believes. Right, and then he's not shaken by and that. That says so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's true faith. A lot of times we can't we can't see um, what God is doing, mm -hmm. but but to to be faithful is to be obedient in what mm -hmm. He has told us in Scripture. Right, it, right. We, it's just so hard for us as humans to rest in that. But but we see Abram just do it. I mean, he has his failures for sure. He's a human, um, but but he. He obeys, yeah. even though he, he knows he's not going to get to see those promises come to pass. Mm -hmm. mm. And then um, God makes a covenant with him in verse 18, uh, basically telling him, to your offspring, I give this land and the, ri the river of Egypt all the way to the great river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, 
Kinzai, all the ites. He basically all, the <laughs> all of them, all of them. He's just like, here you go. This is yep. gonna be your the land of your children, and that's kind of where it ends. Yep. Ready for uh, chapters. 16, 17. 16, 17. Right. Okay. So we'll be back next week with 16, 17. Discuss Genesis some more and, and continue on the um, how God continues to work through Abram and we see his obedience and his failure and, and so on and so forth. Um, actually, you know, we talk about Abram, Abram failed. Well, the very next chapter is him like trying to circumvent God's plan and make it happen himself. Right? We tend to do that. I know I know, yep. I do that a lot. Do it all the time. Like, I'm just like, you know, I know this is God's plan, so I'm just going to make it happen. Right. <laughs> That's not how it works, right? No, we gotta. We have to um, no, obey and be work. faithful, and, and, and God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. Amen, um, brother. So we'll be back next week. We love you guys. Peace out. Boom.